Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Purpose University podcast, your source of inspiration as you seek to create your best life and be your most authentic self. I am your host, Dr. Eve, and I am so glad that you have decided to join me at this time. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say thank you for checking out the show, and I certainly hope you'll come back for more. So without further ado, let's get into it. So it's an exciting day on the Purpose University podcast. I am here with Shanice Montgomery, who is a native of Laurel, Mississippi. Currently, Shanice is the coordinator of student and young alumni programming at the University of Southern Mississippi. Shanice, I have known you for a long time now um, and have watched you grow. So that's been really exciting. So Shanice and I go back to Southern Miss when I was teaching leadership class and she was actually one of my students. <laughs> so now you're good and grown, right? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, okay, Shanice. But no, really, um, Shanice has done some really amazing things. I'm talking about you like you're not on the call, but yeah, I don't want to tell you that about Shanice. When I met Shanice at Southern Miss, I want to say a couple years later, she was like, yeah, I got a business. I'm like, you got a business? You are in college. How do you have a business? And she was selling clothes online. So she has always had a mind to be in entrepreneurship. As a matter of fact, she actually has her degree, which is the Bachelor's of Business Administration and Entrepreneurship. So just out here, I mean, in my opinion, kicking butt, taking names. I'm not going to tell you all the rest because I'm going to let her do that. But Shanice, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really glad to be a part of this. I'm excited and I'm honored. So thank you. <laughs> Ooh, glad, excited, and honored. Check you out. All right. I'm really happy and elated and enthused to have you here, my dear. Let's go ahead and get into it. Look, you know, since we catching up, but tell the people about yourself. Who are you and and what's your story? What's your story? My name is Shanice Montgomery. I'm from Laurel, Mississippi, born and raised. Lived in Mississippi basically my whole life. Got a scholarship to Southern Miss. So that's where I ended up being. But it ended up being the best school for me because of the business program and all the people I met like you. Eve was like my mentor in college. He was like one of the first black leaders on campus that I could look up to. So that meant a lot to me to have you there during my college years. But basically, so I did that, pursued that, became, well, you mentioned me starting my own business freshman year. My grandmother, she was a hoarder. And I've always been into fashion and clothes and stuff like that. So I would go to her house, dig through clothes. I mean, like, she had rooms where you could barely open the door and it would be like garbage oh, bag, on top of garbage bag, on top of garbage bag. Just a lot of clothes. And it would be like brand new stuff, but it might be like out of the 80s, 70s. And so I would just go shopping, come back to school, wear it, and people would be like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Where'd you get that? And I'm like, uh, my grandma's house, my granny's house. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. And I just, I consistently kept getting compliments off my clothes. So a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, I could turn this into a business. And I saw the opportunity through social media and then I just kind of went for it. I reached out to someone who was doing it and then I just took that leap and I did it. And it was like very successful. I was shipping stuff out to California. I even shipped some stuff out to Finland. It was crazy. And sometimes I like wish like I should have kept it going. But like the more I was in school, the more I got involved like as a student leader. And it was hard to balance being a student leader, pursuing a college degree and then trying to manage a business by myself. But sometimes I'm like, if I kept that going, where would that business be now? That's the only thing that like keeps me up at night sometimes. Like, where would that have been if I kept going? But I know like I can always bring up another business, so I'm not too worried about it. But then after that, 
I moved to New Orleans, didn't have any family out there. And I started with the New Orleans Marriott, just like an entry level job, didn't even need a degree for it. But I felt like that's where I needed to be. Um, because about three or four months later, I was pursued by Michael Kors to be a shop manager. And I love that. I did that for almost two years. Got proposed to by my husband, who's from Columbia, and he lived in Hattiesburg. And so he proposed. I moved back here. Three months later, we were married. Surprise wedding. We had that. <laughs> long wedding I, I started the planning the process and it was very stressful and we just wanted to be married we had already dated like five years and to most people that seems like a long time it was a long time for me too so <laughs> <laughs> and and um I worked a little bit at Enterprise hated that and the opportunity let open up for me to work at Southern Miss, which is crazy because I never thought I would be working at Southern Miss. So now I'm the coordinator of student young alumni programming for the Alumni Association, and I love that. I like working with students and being around them. So. And, and, and with all that going on, I have a blog that I started a couple, I want to say last year. I started last year, the very end of last year, Fash the Blog, which is like a lifestyle blog. And again, it stemmed from people asking where you shop, where do you get this, how you do this, how you style stuff. And a lot of the stuff I buy, like I don't buy anything full price. It's hard for me to buy full price. So like, I'm going to say like 90, 80% of my closet is all like sale items. That doesn't mean like they're not quality pieces in there. It's just like, I, I, I feel like I've mastered how to shop and I just share those tips through my blog. And I kind of had to put a pin in that just temporarily because I'm working on another project that I'm very, <laughs> I'm so excited. But yeah, that's, that's that for now. <laughs> so you are the Jill of all trades though. I guess I, I'm trying to, I don't, I don't think anybody should put themselves in a box just because you think you're good at one thing. So whatever God put on my heart, I feel like I need to go after it. So that's just me personally. I love that. So from starting your business, your freshman year of college up to going to, you know, to Southern Miss, how many years was that? Me starting my business in freshman versus up to like now. Yes, up to now. How many years? How, how long has that been, that time period? Because there's a lot. Started a business, stopped the business, started a job, went to another job. So like eight years. Eight years. <laughs> yeah. You didn't think it was that long, did you? No. <laughs> no. But here's, here's the thing. 2011. 2011. Yeah. It's eight. So se seven years, eight, almost eight years. Yeah. Yeah, seven, eight. Seven, eight, almost eight years. Yeah. So but thinking about it from this perspective, though at your age, from 18 to now, you've done so much. And the point is that time, and it flies because it's not until sometimes you think about like, man, has it really been that long? <laughs> but in all these things, you continue to just keep going and you're allowing yourself to figure it out along the way rather than stressing out about where you have to be. Because over the course of eight years, a lot of people think they already supposed to be millionaires. But that's not true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I like that you're saying that you're trying different things and you're starting and then you're stopping. But when anything for you to say that you've had to stop some stuff and you're cool with it, like that's real dope. That's yeah. real dope. So um, what made you though want to go to college versus having just started a business? Because you did go for business anyway. So what, what was happening there? Honestly, I feel like it was just the thing to do. Now looking back, I feel like my parents were like, you need to go to college because that is the only way that, for your ticket to success. And I feel like at the time, I felt 
me going into college versus me now, there was a huge paradigm shift for me thinking this is my ticket to success versus like how I feel about success now. So I guess I went to school not because I truly wanted to be a college. I know that probably sounds terrible because, you know, like not that I really wanted a college degree, but I think it was just like I was such a great student. I was an honor high school student. So this is my next step. It made sense. And I mean, even now, I mean, I got it now. So, I mean, I'm cool with it. It just makes okay. sense. <laughs> Better than than not, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you talked about having moved to New Orleans right after you finished school. What, though, was really the compelling interest to go to New Orleans versus anywhere else in the world? What helped you to make that decision? Honestly, when I was looking for jobs, like our job fair is not the hottest. Like the job options, like the people who come there, I mean, it's very limited. And then what I was looking for was more like fashion forward, something remotely close to that. And they just don't, I think the closest I got to that was a uniform service called Centos. So, you know, but I mean, it was a job. So New Orleans Marriott, they were there. I didn't even give them, I didn't sign up for a job interview. I just talked to them at a, at a booth. I just stopped by. My friend said, hey, you should talk to their HR manager. Pretty cool guy. He asked for my resume. I gave him my resume. He saw that I started a business my freshman year. We talked about that. And then I checked my email and then it popped up. Hey, you have an interview scheduled for this time on campus. And I was like, what? I'm not going to, I don't even want to work for a hotel, you know? But at the time, I mean, I was interviewing for other companies, but I wasn't getting, I was taking a lot of ills. I was like, look, you ain't got a job yet. Don't want to move back home. You need to go to this interview. And basically they were trying to hire me on the spot, but I was kind of resistant to it. But I feel like that's where God wanted me to be because if I hadn't have taken that job to be in that area, then the district manager for New Orleans, she wouldn't have found me and I wouldn't be able to work. And I love that job. So I just felt like he was lining me up to get in position. So. <laughs> Definitely trusting your process. Yeah, definitely. Being open. I'm glad that you stayed open. I'm glad that you even shared that there was resistance because sometimes people think that everything is like, oh, that's easy. That's a great decision. That was clear. <laughs> no clear path, right? Clear path. So, thinking about eight years ago, you know, your freshman year in college, what would you have told yourself? Uh, what kind of advice would you have given yourself about living your best life? Like me talking to, to freshman Shanice right now. Yeah, talk to her right now. What are you, what are you gonna tell her? I guess like time, like don't waste time. Cause like, that's the one thing, like you can get everything back, but you can't get time back. And even though like I let Dirty Cheetah go, like if I would've invested my time right, I could have, I feel like I could have managed it all if I would have seen value in it. I don't think I saw the value in it that I see now. Because when I think about it, like, that's crazy I did that my freshman year. So some stuff I probably put too much time in and I was putting, just being a bad steward of time when I could have been putting it. Not to say like I was just a total, you know, I just messed over my life, but I could have, time is everything. And the people you let take your time too can be dangerous. So. I didn't know it was the first three years ago. I felt like I'm behind in life. And you know, a little bit older than you, so I, let me catch up. But but not really, but all, all in due time. So tell me and tell us, brother, what has helped shape who you are in terms of being your most authentic self? I'm going to say when I moved to New Orleans, that was my first time really being 
by myself. I had a roommate at first, the first six months I moved there. And I had a roommate like from day one of college. Like I always had people around me, a boyfriend. I met him freshman year. He lived in the area. But in New Orleans, parents, they were like 30 minutes away. But in New Orleans, even though people weren't like 10 hours away, but it was still like they had to plan to come see me. I didn't have family in New Orleans. I didn't know anybody. I had to find out who Shanice is or, you know, like I really had to do some self-reflecting, spend time with me, get comfortable with me. Even when I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror, I had to be okay with me, you know? So I think like going through that time of separation, I really found out who I was. And not only did I find out who I was, I feel like my relationship with God grew a lot stronger because it was just me and him, you know? Even though I had a boyfriend, it was a long distance boyfriend. He's not there every day. So it was just kind of, I think that helped shape me more into who I am now. Just going through that period of maturing into more of an adult version of myself and doing it by myself in a foreign city and not just like a country okie doke city. I mean, New Orleans is not the biggest city in the world, but it's not the smallest either. So it was almost a culture shock because I grew up in a rural country town, no red light, stop signs, dirt roads, you know, and <laughs> city where you have to pay to park and, you know, it's just different. I don't know. It's different. So it's an actual downtown <laughs> that's, not, that's thriving. <laughs> that, there's a skyline. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think that had a lot to do with who I am right now. Love that. And so thinking about who you've become, I'd also be interested in knowing what is the best advice you've ever gotten from someone? I guess the two things that stick out to me right now is you're the average of the five people you spend your time with. And out of those people, like, you should not be the brightest one, if that makes any sense. Like, if you find yourself, like, the smartest and the brightest, then your circle is very dim and you're not growing as a person. But I feel like the people you surround yourself with, some of them need to be where you want to be. You know what I mean? Because it's just going to broaden your thinking or they at least need to bring value or they need to be pursuing they need to have some kind of like drive about them. I just think being around like-minded people really influences like, I guess how you operate and how you see life. And it can even make it harder or easier. Like they can either bring you up or bring you down. So I think that's very important that the people you choose to spend life with are like helping you get to where you're trying to get versus pulling you down or keeping you stagnant. I think that helps. And sometimes Absolutely. that can yeah, you gotta cut off, which is hard, you know, but maybe you just gotta cut off family for it until you get where you're trying to get and then you bring them back in the loop and maybe you can open their eyes and do it. This is what I've been trying to do. So, so you have to so do that. I'm a man. Maybe in a way, yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, because, I mean, you mentioned the family thing, which is a great segue to even talk about the fact that you are first gen. And in our conversation, you didn't even recognize first gen, which I thought was really cool. Because yeah. you're first gen, and this is something I get people will say, well, my sister went to college first, so she's got a degree. Like, it's not about your siblings. It's about your parents. And so mm-hmm. if your parents didn't go to school or let's, they didn't get it, go to school and paying a four-year degree you're still considered first generation and so it's even interesting to hear how you have been able to navigate and to maneuver not even realizing that this was a population you were part of because you've been so driven on your own that it's almost as though you didn't need the help was that that something that you would say is 
accurate or you just always had a, your own drive? I think wow. growing up, I was I was always a part of a sports team. And I think that shaped me in a way to keep me motivated, like self-motivated, because I always wanted to win. Literally, I think I started playing basketball when I was six or seven. I was on like an Oprah team. I wasn't good, but I was on a team. <laughs> I knew what it meant to be on a team. And I played sports all the way to senior year. So I think that kind of like molded me into that grind and working hard and being driven. Not purposely, but like it was just like a byproduct of it that just kind of stuck with me. And then my parents, they were always, they were always like motivators. Like they always wanted me to be better than them. And I think that helped too. And having them both, like I was blessed to grow up with my parents in a home, like, you know, in a, I was in a good environment growing up, which I see now that everybody, they don't get that to grow up with both of their parents in a home and have like a decent living. So that helped having them being motivators and then being a part of sports teams. And I like that you share that part of the first generation story for many of us ends up being that we don't have both parents in the home. Well, if we do have both parents in the home, that we come from a place of hardship, that wasn't the case for you, right? I mean, we struggled. We were middle class, barely middle class. My dad, he is a hard worker. Like, ever since I've known him, he's the first one to go to work and the last one to get back. So, like, I knew it was sacrifices being made. And he probably couldn't come to everything, but it was because he was trying to put food on the table. But still, like, we were able to do, we were able to do things like they made stuff happen i don't know how but they made it happen (laughs) it wasn't always like it wasn't like easy you know like some blood and sweat and tears and some things had to be shifted around so but it's a really cool perspective that you have because your mom did get a two-year degree from a community college and she ended up working in her field so Mm -hmm. on the one hand she had you know according to the first generation thing some education she had a degree it wasn't a four-year degree because based on societal standards, the four-year degree is kind of like the marker of opportunity, you know, for people. But then I know, I know for a fact that there are a lot of people who have two-year degrees that are trades that are making more money than I'll ever make, you know, with a doctorate. So it's really about what it is that you're trying to do. But I like in spite of what your parents face that you were still able to find your own pockets of space to do and create and become and that you could acknowledge the hard work because for some people I've you know talked to people that had foster parents because their parents are drug addicts um, but your home environment was also due to being a better person so kudos to your parents for being able to give you the home that you needed but also helping you set up your future in a way that you can be even better for the children that you will have one day and even better role model or figure mother though so that's that's real hot even thinking about you know, struggling a little bit can you tell me a time when you were faced with adversity and how you had to overcome it i don't know if this really fits it but during does this mean like any point in my life or just be one of like a specific point any point in your life uh it's a lot of those moments but one of <laughs> that I'll speak to is when my mom was diagnosed with cancer because I feel like it's just something you don't want to wish for nobody. 
it's just a rough situation all around. And that was my junior year, the beginning of my junior year, end of sophomore year, going into my junior year, which is, that was a rough year of school too, because the workload, it kind of like goes up to the advanced, the upper upper level numbers, 300, 400, 500, 600, whatever. <laughs> so the work courses were getting a little bit more difficult and I was already pretty involved on campus. And then my mom, that's like the worst phone call ever. She was diagnosed. And just having to, I guess, like focus on school and like my dad, just everybody having to be normal, you know, even though like that's going on. It was it was kind of difficult, but I think what kept me going and what kept me upbeat was the fact that like I, I felt like I had to do it for her, you know, like I can't. I don't need to cause any more stress. So let me do the best I can do. Let me be the best I can be and give everything I can 100%. And um, during that period of time, I looked at people different because you just never know what people are going through. Even when someone is like so rude to you, like during that period of time, like almost nothing really fazed me because I'm just like, you know, I don't know what they're going through at home. They must be going through some tough times right now for them to take all that out on me. So it's just like, I looked at people differently and I, I guess my, I don't, not remorse, but I don't know the word I'm trying to think of, but I just had more, I guess it's remorse for everybody. And then that year, I think I was, I won Miss Southern Miss. And that kind of mm-hmm. just, I was just like, oh wow, you know, like that kind of took me by surprise. And that was a hard race because I, I ran against some great contestants like, Everybody I ran against were like great people. And so that was like icing on the cake. But my mom, she's in remission. She's good. She's cancer free. She's doing well. But it was it was just a lot like seeing her go through that process and still try to be a student leader, make good grades, try to be there and not focus on what's going on at home or I hope my mom's okay. She's doing chemo and I I wish I could be with her. But she did chemo like in Atlanta because they have Cancer Treatment Center of America. And so she did all her treatment there, but she had a friend, thankfully, who stepped in and was like by her side the whole time. Because when I think about it now, if her friend didn't come back, I probably would have had to stop school to go like be her caretaker or my dad. He was basically paying all the bills. So he had to work. We weren't in a position where he could just stop going to work because he's a blue collar worker. So it was just balancing all that was kind of tough. But and it built character for everybody. So. That's a powerful story. Yeah. Because that represents the heart of the first generation experience, where because of the role that you play in your family and being able to support your family, you almost had to stop out of school. And here you were, Miss Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. And your dad, because of not being able to have pursued education or just maybe not having been interested, wasn't better positioned even in his own career to have just been able to be there. So two parents in the house, but yet your education is still almost affected because of the experience of the lack of education in the home. And that's not to be negative at all, but that's real because you have a sibling as well. A sibling, siblings? I have a sibling. She's yeah, five years. So she's five years younger. Nothing she could do. So then who does the responsibility fall on? Falls on you to be able to say, I'm here, I got it. No, no problem. And I ain't going to where I'm here to help. So that is powerful, a powerful testament to how God's grace stepped in because of, you know, the friend 
but then how also you had all this going on and you were struggling through your academics, but yet started trying to thrive in your academics and trying to thrive as a student leader and all this going on at home and then nobody knows, you know, and then I'm not going to ask for help because nobody needs to know anyway. This, this is my business and people looking at you crazy like, well, what you got going on? <laughs> Don't worry. It's, it's life. It's life. I thank you for sharing that and for being so transparent. And I'm grateful that your mom has been able to be in that she's been able to heal like this. That's really wonderful. Um, so we're kind of getting to a point where we're wrapping up. What I want to know now is what's next for you with all of your adventures? <laughs> um, so I kind of like touched on it a little bit at the beginning. So right now I am working on a webinar. I'm building on a webinar. Like it's scary. It, to me, it's scary because it should be like launching like this month. But basically it's built around how we got married because we spent like right at $3,000 on our whole wedding. And some people find it really hard to pull off a nice wedding because if you see our pictures, I mean, you could, we could have easily, it looks like we spent a lot of money, but really we only spent $3,000. So um, mm. after we had a lot of people who were like, of course, like they were upset because they missed it because of how we had it. But then we had a lot of people who were like, oh my gosh, I love the way y'all got married. Uh, me and my boyfriend, girlfriend, we've been dating for such, such years and we honestly didn't think we could get married and have a nice wedding because we couldn't afford it. And I don't ever want people to feel like they have to put their whole life online. You know, if you know you will, if you know you want to be married to your boyfriend, don't let money stop you from getting married. And if you don't want to just go to the courthouse, like, let's sit here, let's think about it. Let's be creative and figure out a, a day that will represent you too and that you can feel proud about. So the webinar, that's what it's about. And so I'm really excited about that. And from that webinar, if you want to go through a course and I'll take you step by step and tell you how you can save money and explain every little way you can save and how I did it. And it'll just be full of information and resources that you can use to have a wedding. Plan it yourself because I planned it myself um, and just show you everything. So that's what I'm working on right now. That's awesome. And you'll be having more of these in the future. Like you'll continue to do webinars. Yep. That's very, very dope. I definitely can understand, you know, same thing, just making it happen. But knowing mm-hmm. what you value and I didn't value spending that much money for a party. So that's how right. I looked at it. I just couldn't get jiggy with it, but it's all good. So, yeah. So, so final, final question for you. What is the, the one thing, the one message or, or piece of advice that you want to leave with our listeners on today? Something for them to chew on for the rest of their life. I feel like every idea, everything, even if it's never been done before, but if God gave it to you, I feel like he gave that idea to you for a reason. Even if it's totally opposite of what your career is, I think you need to pursue it. And I don't believe you should wait on one stream of income. If you're waiting on one check every month or just one stream of income every month, I feel like you limited yourself. You can never live a best life waiting on one stream of income. So I'm all about if you have a passion, figure out a way to make that passion into profit. No matter what it is, no matter how small it may be, think of ways where you can make money while you're sleeping. Because that's, I mean, I don't want to seem like I'm all about money. I'm not, but money make life easier. And if you really want to help people, if you really want to change lives, you got to have some kind of funds coming in, you know? And I really want to help change a lot of people's lives. And I know in order to touch as many lives as I want to touch, I have to do something different. I have to do something 
so different that's never been done in my family so that my great 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 they know who I am because they're going to say they made a difference for my family legacy. Not just me, not just my kids, but my family legacy and other people. So that's my thing. You just got to think bigger than I know we're all about like right now. I got to get mine. I got to do this. I got to do this. But it's all about like the long run, the long game, like stuff that come overnight is not good. Fast food, not good for you. <laughs> Like, you need to be in the kitchen whipping it up. It need to take some hours. Let that marinate. Yes. (laughs) You know? Let the meat fall off the bone. So, we don't take hours. So, yeah. That's my thing. You just got to work. Let the meat fall off the bone. Yeah. You better say (laughs) something up in here that I've never heard of that. But I'm like, because I know I love my meat to fall off the bone. (laughs) Okay, baby. Listen. You got me excited over here. Let the meatball. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Okay, I'm going to use a trademark and everything. <laughs> really, y'all, I like, I like that a lot. Um, Yeah, that, that resonates. Gosh, Denise, thank you so much for taking the time today. Where in the social space, in the internet space, can we find you if we're looking for you? You can find me on Instagram at Shanice, S-H-O-N-I-C-E. You can find me on Facebook at Shanice Montgomery. And you can find me on Twitter at I am Shanice. I A M S H O N I C E. Everywhere. So everywhere. Shanice Mother. Everywhere you want to be. That's a legacy <laughs> right there. Everywhere you want to be. But again, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your transparency, um, for being able to share your story and your journey, for reminding us that it's not a list. We just have to be open and continue to find whatever it is we're looking for. So until the next time, my dear, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. I appreciate it. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in. Before you go, just a few things to note. Uh, First and foremost, let's get connected on Instagram and or LinkedIn. You can find me at E-V-E-H-U-D-S-O-N phd on both social networks don't forget to head over to check out my site at www.evehudsonphd.com and if you should decide to purchase a book or apparel just for listening to this podcast you get 10 percent off of your order just use the code podcast when you check out last but certainly not the least in all that you do remember to be resilient authentic and intentional i'm out